Beloveds, welcome back to The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we've been exploring what our Christian sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, the times in which we are living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance, in showing up, and in liberation? And what wisdom is there for us as white Christians in these troubled, violent times of pandemics, rising authoritarianism, and racial capitalism? What beauty can we find in our resistance? I'm Reverend Ann Dunlap, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm a United Church of Christ minister, and I'm the faith organizing coordinator for Showing Up for Racial Justice, or SURGE. I live in the place currently called Buffalo, New York, here in the homelands of the Haudenosaunee peoples. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the freedom movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December, 2014, being led by minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. As you may have heard last week, we're coming to the close of the word is resistance as a podcast. We feel tender about saying goodbye to this incredible project that has meant so much to us and also feel so celebratory for the world we have built here for white Christians over the years. And so to celebrate the completion of the podcast, we're wrapping up with three episodes of group conversations with our current contributor crew. And then we'll have the final episode from me with a special request for you. Think of these final episodes as a kind of advent calendar of parting gifts. I'm hosting today's conversation, which will be with MJ Kaiser and Sharon Benema. So if y'all wanna say hi and introduce yourselves real quick. Hello everybody, uh, this is M, my pronouns are they, them, and I am uh, living in a place currently called Iowa, uh, Iowa City in Iowa uh, on the homeland of the Sioux, Sauk, Nisquaki, Iowa and Oto people. Uh, and I am the co-director of Enfleshed and um, just really delighted to be here with this group today in this special sacred time of transition. And I'm Dr. Sharon Fenema and I serve as the curator of Join the Movement Toward Racial Justice, which is an anti-racism initiative in the United Church of Christ. I use she and her pronouns, um, and I'm recording this podcast from my home, which rests on the unceded and ancestral lands of the Ohlone people, who continue to lay down prayers and raise up life on this ground in what is now known by some as Oakland, California. Thank you both. Really looking forward to our conversation today. So we're going to take a quick musical break and then jump right in. So we have some conversation prompts um, that we're sharing across these three episodes. Um, and so we're going to start off with, um, for the two of you, like, what are we taking with us? What are you taking with you? And what are we hoping for white people engaging scripture? What do we hope people take with them? So whoever wants to start, take it away. 
well, I'm flooded with different things. <laughs> I'll jump in. Um, <laughs> there's, yeah, just so many different things that I know I'm taking away and um, I hope to do so in community with white people um, far and near. Uh, and, and one of those things is the tension of um, sort of undoing the spiritual practice that teaches us we can only interpret scriptures from the perspective of those who have authority over of, over us, whether it's our mm. pastors, um, institutions, seminaries, ex, you know, traditions, books, whatever, um, unlearning that that is the sole way to pick up scripture um, and, and leaning into the trust that uh, my own, our own uh, experiences and learnings outside of religious spaces are welcome in doing our own interpretations of divinity and scripture. Um, that feels like such an important practice for those of us who are white to get more comfortable with sort of practicing our own moral agency in a way that um, we're not actually encouraged to do. Um, as much mm. as we are often encouraged to follow rules, which a lot of us are pretty yeah. good at. And so learning to break some of the theological rules um, and find a God there in the rule breaking, while also grounding ourselves ourselves in lineages of thought, in, in movements, in historicity. It's not about individualism, but that tension of my own moral agency, but grounded in something larger than my own experience. Um, then the scriptures just become, there's just an endless opportunity for, for learning um, about ourselves and each other and the divine. And I love how that has unfolded on this podcast. Mm. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Um, I really appreciate that. And I'm thinking about, I feel like, I'm maybe one of the more recent additions to the to the podcast crew and I feel like one of the first um conversations we had um with listeners that I was a part of um I think it was you Anne who raised the question of who do we identify with in the mm. stories as we read them and mm. I feel like that question completely transformed the way I read scripture now and I feel like that's one of my biggest things I'm taking away way is how do I relate to these stories as a person with relative privilege as a person who comes with the with the equipment the the resources the rights of um that have been granted to me unearned by white supremacy um, and how does that change the way that I, I engage and understand these stories as related to me? Because mm. I feel like part of what we're kind of like socialized, I think, to identify with the heroes, right, of the story. And the fact of the matter is like, as white folks, we, that's rarely our role <laughs> in these <laughs> biblical stories. Um, and so it's been really um really powerful for me to think about like how does that teach me something about not only how I interpret scripture but like what I what I have to learn about power and privilege from looking at those characters and seeing myself in them um, and thinking about you know I'm thinking about like 
what do I learn from looking at Herod and mm-hmm. one who I am related to, who is part of my lineage as someone who who shares that that kind of uh, culture of fear um, that I have been shaped and formed by. Um, so I, I think about that as radically transformative for me. Um, mm. And and to be able to do that in a way that's not about like shame or guilt, but it's really about like, how does this help free me? How does this mm. help free others when I am correct in how I come, when I'm coming correct to these scriptures mm-hmm. um, and seeing them through the eyes um, and the experiences that are really mine um, and not through someone else's eyes or experiences and recognizing the difference between that. And I really hope that is what people come away with from as a way of reading scripture um, from this podcast, especially white folks. Um, like who is it that we, we, we see as, as part of us um, and how does that teach us who we are in the world and how we can become um, with these sacred stories. I love that. And you have me thinking about like how, yeah, this this space, this podcast has been, um, uh, yeah, just one space where the question of like what what as white people do we need for redemption? Do we recognize we need redemption first mm. of all? <laughs> what does that look like for us and our dominant identities, especially uh, individually and collectively? Um, and yeah, I feel like we're we're so taught to read the scripture from the perspective that the only ones that need redemption are the ones closest to the edges. But even when we're in the center, redemption might look different, but we need it just as much and learning how to perceive that. Um, gosh, there's just been so many fruitful conversations about how to do that. Yeah, for sure. Beautiful. I'm thinking, Sharon, of your Romans episode where you talked about the the bigger us, the bigger we. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just in my head, like that whole trajectory that the work on the podcast, the work that you did to, you know, all the things you just named and offer such a beautiful vision in that episode um, that really speaks to all of that, I think. Uh, yeah. Well, I think that's a nice transition to the next question, which is more of a like epiphany tinged kind of question. Um, just taking in the whole breadth of Advent Christmas epiphany is like, cause we tell that whole conglomeration of a story altogether anyway. Um, and this, the, the uh, story of the Magi going home by another way. Um, so, when I talk to folks who are contrib- who 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 are contributors, you know, you all and, and and other folks on this crew over time, like none of us are the same having undergone this journey of participating in this podcast. We're not the same people we were when we began and you both have already named some of those things. So how are we going home by another way, if you will, as a result of um, being part of this podcast? I feel like one of the things I've been thinking about in response to that prompt is it has to do with the Romans series 
Um, and I think maybe my, I did, I think I did two episodes in that series. <laughs> and the first one I was, I just remember like was such a, was really a wrestling. It really was a wrestling with Romans. And mm. I kept having to like come back and re like, I had kept re like reorient myself and come back to it. And it made me think about how like this work that we're doing with that we've been doing with the word is resistance is a discipline. It is like a, it is a spiritual practice of returning and recentering and coming back around again and like really um, unraveling the ways that our scripture has formed us in colonization, in racism, in white supremacy culture, like, and, and really like, being disciplined about coming back around to what is what is the freedom that's in this? What is the abolition that's in this? What is mm. the the new world that's that's in this? Um, and so I feel like that part of what I'm I'm realizing is just the um, the need to keep like recognizing when I'm slipping into these old patterns and reorienting myself and really having that be a practice of of how I read scripture and mm. I think of it as so closely and intimately related to how I understand anti-racism practice right I'm always messing up I'm always getting it wrong I'm always slipping into those old patterns and like how do I come back recenter reorient ground in and and return to this this vision that I hold um, with my with my comrades of what a different world could be for us. Um, and that to me is one of those things that I feel like I, I'm coming home by another way, um, mm. literally, like the, what is it to come home to scripture by way of these disciplines of recentering and regrounding and failing and coming back again and and being willing to be in that discipline, that practice. Um, it feels related uh, as you, yeah, as you talk about that discipline and thinking about uh, various poets and philosophers have said similar things, but I'm thinking uh, Mary Oliver in particular has talked about um, paying attention as a kind of prayer, as a kind of devotion. And yeah. um, I'm thinking about like, when I go on a hike somewhere, uh, the difference between maybe a first time in the same place where everything is new. And so I'm not noticing a lot of the details because it's all new. And then walking the same place over and over again shapes my ability then to notice things differently. Um, and I feel a little bit like, think I bring up the hike because I'm thinking about the Magi's journey, right? The, the, yeah, the moving along a land and learning, paying, learning what to pay attention to, how to mm. interpret it, um, and thinking about okay, so going back now, going home, we've got new tools to bring with us to point our attention to notice different things in the world. Um, to recognize that that noticing, it's not everything, we can't just notice, but that there's something about paying attention and noticing that is sacred and holy. 
Um, and I think that the scriptures and the way that this podcast has been engaging them are is critical for enabling us to pay attention differently in the world. Um, to be able to start piecing things together. What does Palestine have to do with Black Lives Matter movement? Um, what does, how does whiteness and gender work against trans flourishing? You know, mm. it's starting to piece things together, starting to to have the tools to say, oh, I'd never noticed that before. But Sharon in that episode pointed out, you know, X, Y, Z. And it's, and it just, it starts to change, I think, the whole journey. Um, and yeah, just paying attention differently on the way home is different than noticing different things than did on the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That. It makes me think too about like the, I think one of the things I'm also like coming away different with is uh, just realizing that, and this kind of goes back to what you said earlier, um, the, the, the way that our work in this podcast has been like creative engagement with scripture. Mm -hmm. It is about, it's poetics, it's poesis, it's bringing forth or making, um, and that, that actually these, these new um, ways of being in the world or old ways of being in the world, however you want to think <laughs> about it, um, like actually require our creative engagement because we have to like build something new or different. Uh, we have to return a different, we have to return by another way. Um, and things are going to have to look different if we're, if we're going to be building this, this new world. Um so I love that. I feel like some of my favorite episodes that I've listened to and been a part of have been ones that are kind of playing with the poetics of the scripture and really in that kind of mode. And and I feel like that that creative engagement, that almost playfulness, um, as it can be sometimes. And sometimes, you know, it's it's not playful. It's more more grievous and lamenty. Um, that's a that's beautiful too. Like that creative engagement um, to me is part of the way we've been um, inviting people into a different relationship with scripture, that it doesn't have to be what your Sunday school teachers told you it meant or what your pastor tells you it means, but it mm -hmm. is also what it means when it comes into contact with who you are at your deepest self. Yeah. I love how you ended there, you know, Sharon, of it's, it doesn't have to be what these figures and authority mean because that's part of the going home by another way right is realizing oh Herod was not correct about this whole situation so we are not going to go back to him we're going to go a different way um and I think not that we want to say that like all pastors are Herod exactly but <laughs> sometimes um yeah yeah but that yeah, that same kind of idea sometimes. that yeah that kind of authoritarian <laughs> this is the only way that this can mean um, we're going to go look for meaning somewhere else um, kind of pathway. Um, which again, very nice segue, I think, into, into the last of our prompt questions here, which is, and I think that you both have been offering these as we, as you've been, you know, talking, but um, what tips would you have for our listeners for reading scripture and interpreting scripture as the word is resistance you know it's like how can folks do this for themselves yeah i think 
there are like lots of commentaries I could talk about <laughs> and things like that, <laughs> which I think we, you know, folks know about these beautiful resources. But I think the one thing that came to mind, and this is kind of epiphany related to, um, was just how much, how important it was for me in preparing for podcasts to do embodied practices as part of my preparation and to really, um, I think one of my favorite ones is taking the scripture with me on a neighborhood walk. And it just really makes a difference to feel the text in context so um, materially with, with like the presence of others and, you know, the graffiti on the, the side of the wall or the, plant that's springing up through the sidewalk or you know whatever um that that all of those like concrete materialities um in relationship to the scripture like really make a difference for what opens to you when you're interpreting and and thinking about what how might the scripture be speaking resistance and freedom in this moment um to be like rooted in a place in a context deeply rooted um, with your with your body rooted um, and to be learning and speaking and thinking from that kind of place um, felt feels to me like one of those practices that is essential for trying to um, really unravel some of the universalisms of Mm. of white supremacy um, and colonization so I feel like that is, yeah, whatever those practices are that keep you grounded and rooted in a particular concrete material context um, and reading scripture with those practices, I feel like is one of those things I want to gift people as they continue this work. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> um, I, this feels like so basic to say, but also so critical in reading as resistance. But I I feel like it's still so uncommon to be a part of scriptural interpretation that actually centers the fact of power. Um, and power yes. is always, always, no exceptions, being involved. There's no way to set it aside. Um, we may, you know, there are more things to say in the world than to just speak explicitly about power. It must be one of many conversations. And so I don't mean to boil the, the scriptures down to just the conversation of power. I do think we find deeply intimate and personal, uh, opportunities to connect with the divine, but even those are about integrating one's location of power. Right. And so, um, I think any time, literally any time we come to the text to have that mindset and that orientation toward the question of what power is present here in the story and how is that shaping collective life, even if it's just in the background. Um, often it's in the foreground, but even if it's just in the background, um, it is essential and it it changes the whole story from start to finish. Um, and I think one of the things as I have 
um, been on my own journey to bring that analysis to the scripture is, is then returning to so many spaces of worship and just recognizing differently how much of a lack of power analysis there often is and how that changes the whole understanding of who God is, who we are, what we're trying to do together. Um, and so to, to push back even on uh, when we see church uh, refusing to acknowledge power, um, whether it's internally or externally, kind of just saying, no, that's, that is not true to the God of Christianity and of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you named that both of those things, like the embodiment and the, like the power analysis, like what a pair of uh, practices <laughs> um, to gift people you know, to, to do this kind of reading themselves. Any, anything else you all would like to, to say or add before we wrap up? I think it just, this has been said in different ways, but I think just reiterating the, like, it's okay to enjoy playing with the scripture. Mm. Um, there are powerful things that happen through play. It is not only frivolous, though frivolity, I don't know what that word is great <laughs> on its own. Um, but in the context of, of white people doing white work, um, playing with the scriptures is a part of that. And we don't need to be afraid of hurting God's feelings with our interpretation <laughs> of scripture um, or, you know, veering again, veering from from interpretations that we have heard our whole life. Um, just because they're fresh doesn't make them any less true. And sometimes they're more needed for the moment than <laughs> some things that have just been repeated over time and so um yeah i just think the more we can lean into the the spirit of like there's room here there's room to explore there's room to experiment there's room to play none of these things are a threat to divinity um mm. and are desperately needed in the work of liberation and so like be free in relating <laughs> to the scriptures right <laughs> yeah be free Indeed. Yeah, I was thinking about just the, um, I, I think I've always been surprised by whenever I've been working on the podcast, how, um, how much a scripture has to say to the current moment. And like, I know there's a lot of problems with the lectionary. <laughs> we could talk about those in a different podcast. Um, but we have I do talked think about it, on this podcast, yeah. actually. I complain about it often. <laughs> um, but I, I do think there's like a giftedness in um, the juxtaposition of this scripture and whatever is happening in the world. Um, Gordon Lathrop, who's a liturgical theologian, talks about like when you put one thing next to another is when meaning emerges. Mm -hmm. And I think um, it it's similar to the folks who say you should, you know, preparing for a sermon, you read the Bible on one hand and the newspaper in the other. Um, but I think this, there's, to me, it, there's something about that juxtaposition of the contemporary, our contemporary social analysis and these ancient scriptures that brings forth resistance that brings forth freedom if you're willing to to really look and engage and pursue and discover it um and i feel like that's part of what i 
I realized in doing this work like consistently with that discipline was that there is always a word of freedom in this um, if we can can unravel it um, from all the the supremacies that have have been used to interpret scripture over the centuries. Mm. There is always a word of freedom. Go and be free. You both have said. I love love ending on that that note with you both. Um, so let's take a little musical break here, and then we'll come back with our call to action. your call to action is still to continue to read scripture as the word is resistance as we've been describing um in this conversation you can do this too in whatever space you find yourself where you're telling our sacred story you can bring these practices these lenses to offer a resistance word for whatever we are facing and also we want you to know that the podcast will continue to be available wherever you listen um, it's not going anywhere. The database for finding episodes and transcripts will also be available. Um, for now, you can go to the quote unquote home of the Word is Resistance on SoundCloud and you'll find the link to that database there. So don't worry, it's not disappearing. <laughs> um, and we also want to commend to you some of our favorite resources for liberatory work for Christians, including Enfleshed. Uh, that, that where M uh, works so beautifully, um, our Bible app, Justice Unbound, and G's Magazine. We've got links to those in the transcript for this for these episodes. And finally, we have a request for you. If you'd like to record a one-minute reflection on what this podcast has meant to you, you can send the recording along with the transcript to me, to Reverend Ann, at faith at surgeaction.org, faith at surjaction.org. We'll feature you in the final episode, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, so get those to us uh, between now and December 15th. Beloveds, thanks as always for joining us from wherever you are on this good earth. We'll be back next week with another Advent parting gift, a group combo with Liz Carney, Brigitte Vieira, and Jean Jeffress, hosted by yours truly, myself. And of course, as always, a huge thanks to our sound editor, Claire Hitchens. Um, Sharon and M, either one of you or and or both want to offer us a, a parting word of, of blessing or encouragement as we close today. I wanted to share um, one of my favorite blessings for Advent from Jan Richardson. Um, mm. It's called the blessing of hope, if that's okay to share that. Yeah. Um, so she writes, so may we know the hope that is not just for someday, but for this day here now in this moment that opens to us hope, not made of wishes, but of substance hope made of sinew and muscle and bone, hope that has breath and a beating heart, hope that will not be quiet and be polite, 
Hope that knows how to holler when it's called for. Hope that knows how to sing when there seems little cause. Hope that raises us from the dead. Not someday, but this day, every day, again and again and again. Amen to that. Um, I'm just feeling in the moment, uh, may we be brave, may we be creative, um, may we take care of each other on the journey home um, mm. and know that God is with us. And amen to that. Thank you both so much. Love and liberation, beloveds. We'll see you next time. Yeah.